It's been 32 months. Can you believe it's been 32 months since the COVID season descended upon us? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this last week and uh, talking about church and and life and the world, little topics like that. And, And he asked me a question. Do you think we're out of the COVID chapter or are we still in it? My answer was, in God's story, I don't think it was ever really about COVID. I think COVID simply launched us into a global transition. At least it launched the church into a transition. So the real question is, are we out of the transition? And I don't think so, but I think we're getting close. The the next chapter is starting to gain more and more clarity and back to normal has a little bit less of a draw. If you've been with us for any stretch of the last 32 months, you've heard me talk about transitions. You've heard me say that this season, I, I believe, is not a temporary interruption on the way back to normal. It's a transitional disruption on the way forward to God's next chapter. We tend to see transitions like like plane trips. I'm not interested in being on the plane any longer than I have to be. I want to get get from takeoff to landing as quickly as possible as long as it, you know, it's like the full route, not up and down. But remember, we while we love to get out of transitions as quickly as possible, get from from new from old to new, God, God wants us to dive into our transition as deeply as possible. Because times of transition are some of the most catalytic times of transformational growth you will ever experience. In the words of our current teaching series, Unshakable, God is shaking everything that can be shaken so that when we come out of the transition, we're, we're leaning on only those things that are unshakable, ready for all that God has for us in our next chapter. His transitions, like I just said, are times when God does his most transformational shaping, deep Deep heart work, catalytic growth as he prepares us for the next chapter. So, so the words that God whispers, what he deposits in our hearts during these days, it, it carries added importance. So during the next month or two or I don't know, maybe even three, I'm going to try to capture a bit of where we are at. That's our current reality. Where we're headed, that's our vision. And how we're going to get there, that's our strategy. And we'll do it in a series of, of bite-sized videos, hopefully no more than 10 to 12 minutes long, that you can ponder on demand in your own timing. But I, I, just, I hope everybody listens to these and absorbs them and thinks about it, and, and that way we can all get on the same page. Now, before we dive into the current reality, the vision or the strategy, I want to take a little bit of time to talk about the why and my, my own personal journey, my transition. I think that's important for us at Calvary, because I believe that God has to work first in leaders before he works through leaders. He has to work first in people before he works through people. So my major life transition, some of you have heard this before, it actually started almost a decade ago. I'm not saying that Calvary's transition will last that long. I think there's just more that God needed to do in my heart, probably than most of you could imagine, at least certainly more than I could imagine. And, and it all, it's all had to do with my relationship with him, all about his love for me. Sometimes this is, I think, so hard for us to believe. Hard to believe that God loves us. Hard to believe that we don't need to earn God's love. We don't need to prove ourselves of value in order to be valued by him. It's, it's hard to believe that of all the things in the world he could be doing, he chooses to love me relentlessly. Now, it may surprise you to know that this is something God is still teaching me right now. I know God's love is like Christianity 101, but sometimes we all need a a little bit of remedial work, right? He's been teaching me just about kind of his casual love, but about his pursuit, teaching me about grace, actually teaching is far too tame a word, teaching 
conjures up pictures of classrooms and coffee shops and, and libraries and conversations where the worst thing that could happen is you have to pull an all-nighter. It's not that. It even goes beyond training. I wish it was training because training suggested there's something I can do to get better. I could call it shaping. He's shaping me to be a vessel of his grace, of his love. But let me just be honest, shaping is far too polite also. Shaping is what you call it when you need to go to a gym for a touch-up. I mean, God has basically been trashing certain areas of my life, doing demolition work in parts of my heart that I thought I'd been building up pretty well. And it's all in response to the prayer of my heart for the last, really, almost a decade. My, my breath prayer, my central prayer, the one that would most often come out my lips for the majority of my life, at least my pastoral life, was always, God, would you put me in the place where you can use me the best? I don't know about you, but I've always had this deep desire to be used by God for great things. I still do. I want his church to be used for great things. But there was a time before this time where, where that, that drove me. It was all I could think of. But, but then through a, a difficult time, and, and actually what St. John of the Cross called a dark night of the soul, that launched me into a transition. And during that transition, God began to change my prayer to God put me in a place where I can love you the best. I felt really kind of good about that prayer. I felt like it was far more spiritual than the use me prayer. God put me in the place where I can love you the best. But, but then somewhere along the line, even in, in talking to my spiritual director at the time, God started showing me that it's really not how, about how well I love God, but it's actually about how well God loves me. And so I started praying, God, put me in the place where you can love me the best. In other words, I want your love for me to be the one and only distinguishing factor of my life. I'll never forget the day. I've, I've had other ones like this as well, but this particular day is kind of seared in my memory. I was driving from my office to a pastor's prayer meeting, and on the way I was praying, God, use me like you use Moses. Let me be your Moses. And, and as I prayed, the verse I read at the beginning came to mind, Exodus thirty three seventeen. It says, and the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and you're my friend. And, and I just had this sense as I was driving of God whispering to my heart, I miss you, Dan. And I can't tell you how sweet and hard those words were. And this flood of memories flowed into my soul, like times when I've gone on long drives just because I wanted uninterrupted time with God. Times when I open the Bible and it's like having coffee with Jesus. He's speaking to me for me. Not just so I have something to give to others, but just for me. And I found myself in that moment praying, God, whether you use me like Moses or not, would you help me in the last third of my life to simply be known by you as your friend? And and I believe that's his invitation to all of us. God, put me in the place where you can love me the best. So then fast forward to March of 2020. I was the fourth one in Center County to get COVID. Um, I didn't have to go into the hospital. I didn't have all the oxygen stuff. But honestly, it was like the sickest couple of weeks I've ever experienced. And, And I've shared with you the three words that God has given me during these last 30 plus months. And the first one came in those weeks when I was sick. And I, and I was struggling. I remember this vividly. I was struggling with all that needed to be done so that the church would be okay during this time. And all that I couldn't do as we entered that stretch. And at some point in the middle of a restless night, I just sensed God saying, Dan, I want you to surrender control. Quit trying to control what you can't control. Trust me, eyes on me. What you long for, I'm doing. I've got this. Surrender control. 
The second word in those last 30 months was surrender the crowd, surrender control, surrender the crowd. And, and that word came in the midst of trying to figure out what do we measure at Calvary during COVID to figure out if we're doing well or not. We've always measured the weekend crowd. And through a process of kind of thinking through engagement and crowds and all of that kind of stuff, it just seemed like God was saying, quit structure in your life and your leadership to gain a crowd. God was saying, Dan, I want you to surrender the crowd. I'm not looking for fans in the stands. I'm looking for players on the field. Surrender the crowd. And the final word was surrender your voice. That one came on the day that George Floyd was killed and my granddaughter Maisie was born. I was in Minneapolis for her birth and also for his death. And it was a marker moment kind of day. I can't even quite explain to what happened, but in the midst of it, I was, I was wrestling with what was going on. I was wrestling with my voice and what I could do in the situation and, and who would listen to me and, and, and who would people listen to instead of me. And, and I just had that sense of God saying, surrender your voice. Dan, don't think that your voice is the most important voice. Surrender your voice. <laughs> And I'm telling you, when I got the third of those surrender words, surrender control, surrender the crowd, and surrender your voice, I thought, God, do you still want me to be a pastor? I mean, what else is there besides control the crowds and my voice? But I believe he still wants me to be a pastor. He just wants me to pastor differently. In fact, it kind of came full circle for me a couple of weeks ago when a leader of a ministry cohort that I and a few other Calvary leaders are in, we're kind of talking about micro church and, and how do we love our neighbors and change the church and all of that. And, and the leader of this cohort asked me to share my story of repentance, my journey of repentance, something that God had me repenting of recently. And we were talking about the need not just to confess and repent of our sins, which is where we often use that word, but the need to really unlearn how we've done things and relearn new ways. That, that's really kind of the idea of repentance as well. The need to, in the language of Hebrews 12, to get rid of everything that hinders us from the race. So I was putting a few things together, and I was just going to share those three surrender words, messages that God gave me during the last 30 months. And and as I was pondering and praying through those three words and what I would share with that cohort, I simply had this sense of God saying, you do realize, Dan, don't you, Dan, that those three surrender words are an answer to your prayer. God, put me in the place where you can love me the best. If you surrender control and you surrender the crowd and you surrender your voice, you'll start getting to that place where I can love you the best. And honestly, more than anything, that's what I want for Calvary. In the midst of all the changes, in the midst of all the strategy and the vision casting, in the midst of paradigm shifts and FYM and CWOW and wins and losses, please know that that is my heart for Calvary. That's my heart for you. Whether you love the changes or hate the changes or simply tolerating the changes, whether you love me or hate me or simply tolerate me. More than anything, I want all of us in this place where God can love us the best. That's what we need. That's what our neighbors need. That's what our divided country needs. But I really believe it's going to take some surrender, some repentance, some unlearning to get there. So in each of these videos to come, I just I, I want to give you something at the end to do. Not just listen, but do. So here's your to-do for this video. Before you listen to the next video, just in, in order to be the Jesus apprentice Jesus wants you to be, in order to be the kind of Jesus that makes Jesus smile, the kind of Jesus apprentice that makes Jesus smile, what, what do you need or what do we need? In order to be the kind of church that makes Jesus smile, what, what do you need, what do we need to surrender or repent of 
or unlearn. And I just want to encourage you, just kind of say a prayer, God, God, show me. Spirit of God, would you show me what I need to surrender, repent of, or unlearn? And, and make a long list of what it could be, and then just narrow it down to one or two. And begin to ponder what it might look like in your life and in our church if, if you or we were to surrender or repent of or unlearn that thing. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for each and every person listening. God, thank you that you care deeply for each and every one of us, that you want all of us in a place where you can love us the best. And and I pray, Father, that as we move on in the days to come, that, Jesus, that you would build your church in ways that nobody else can build. Spirit of God, that you would empower us with resurrection power, that your hand would be upon us. And we ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.